poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. And today's guest on CPG is the president of the Hinden Mob and Global Poker Index, the one and only Eric Danis. Throughout his life, Eric has loved all things sports and all things statistics, which makes for a pretty seamless transition into the world of poker. After first hopping into the poker space about a decade ago, through hard work and determination, he's risen up the ranks from basically being an unpaid intern to running two of the most trusted and well-respected poker websites in the world. In today's episode with Eric Danis, you're going to hear all about his poker origin story, his passion for solving big, complex problems, and what his vision is for the future of the Hinden Mob. Now, without any further ado, I bring to you the man who spends his life spotlighting amazing poker players around the world, a man the entire poker world should be eternally thankful and grateful for, one of the unsung heroes of the poker world, Eric Danis. Mr. Eric Danis, welcome to Chasing Poker Greatness, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. I know that uh, I mistakenly blew you off what sounds like seven years ago now, but uh, (laughs) sorry about that, but I'm really happy to be on. I've listened to many of your uh, interviews, and when I interviewed Veronica Brill, actually, I use yours as a reference many times during the interview, so thank you for that. Yeah, it's my pleasure, and I wouldn't call it blowing me off. You know, you, you were very busy a few years back, and I think just when you churn out as many pods as I have, one thing happens in that, like I reach out to lots of people and then like Mm. just sometimes, you know, me and my assistant both forget to follow up and things fall through the cracks, you know? So yeah, it's just, it's something that happens, but it's good that we, we finally figured it out and you're on here now. And as I typically do here on chasing poker greatness, you know, let's, Talk about your story and how it was that you found yourself in the poker world. It's weird. I was one of the late bloomers, very late bloomers, uh, into the industry itself. However, uh, poker and card games especially, not necessarily always poker, has been involved in my life since the moment I was born. I come from, uh, like most French-Canadian families, we're all big card-playing you know, card playing families, women and men, by the way. We, you know, there, I remember times where I was very young where there'd be these massive tournaments and games. Uh, everyone was playing. The women were playing, the men were playing, the kids were even playing you know, some of the smaller games. But so it's always been in my blood. I've always had a passion for it. Uh, there's a French superstar singer named uh, Patrick Bruel, uh, Patrick Bruel, who uh, was on a uh, late night talk show once in, in Canada and mentioned he had just been at the World Series of Poker. And this is a long time ago. I was like, what is that? And from that point forward, and I'm talking probably late 80s at that point. So, you know, I got the bug for that. Um, but I didn't get involved in poker necessarily until, well, I'm getting old now. So I think my mid-30s, about, no, it would be more than probably early 30s now that I think about it. Uh, you know, 
poker boom, sure. But for us, it was most uh, in Canada. It was mostly the um, the NHL uh, player strike, or was it? Sorry, the the lockout, the owner lockout, which created another boom in Canada. Poker was everywhere on television. Suddenly, everyone was hosting home games. We were doing our own leagues, and that's where I really got the bug. And I've always been a big, big, big stats guy, especially in hockey. I uh, used to be part of my background uh, working with minor and junior hockey in Canada. Uh, that I decided to start collecting my own stats in poker, uh, do my own player of the year, funny enough. And then I just started, you know, a, a website about it, you know, just a little blog. Got some attention, uh, got to be on, you know, you know podcasts uh, such as yours. Maybe not yours back then because you weren't, you, neither one of us were around back then. <laughs> um, but then got really got the bug and one day my mom is a, uh, is a financial controller. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt. You mentioned the lockout. What year was this to kind of set the timeline? I believe 94 was the year. Okay. Okay. And then there was another one in early. Sorry, sorry. That doesn't make sense, actually. Uh, the one after. So 2000 and was it five? 2004, 2005. So the second, sadly, there was two lockouts yeah. within a 10-year period in hockey. Um, so before then, we, we had some shows. And it's funny enough because, you know, we acquired the Henna Mob. And Joe Beavers, to me, is one of the biggest stars in poker. Like, Joe Beaver, to me, is one of my biggest influences because we used to get a lot of uh, British uh, poker out in Canada, and he had won the uh, Landbrokes Millions uh, that year or one year where I really started to get into it. So, you know, to me, there's Chris Moneymaker for for many, but for me, Joe Beavers was the guy winning the biggest tournament at that time. So, you know, all of that. So all that to say that uh, I sat down with my mom in my, in my mid-30s. I said, you know, I think I want to quit my day job. I was a, a purchaser at an electrical company. I just spent 15 years at Ticketmaster before then. I was in charge of the call centers uh, in, in Ottawa and then did a lot of scheduling. And funny enough, back then, 15 years or 20 years ago now, uh, we did have analytics uh, looking at how you book people. It was just starting. There was a company in San Jose that was doing a product. So, you know, got into some poker there too. I went to Bay 101, you know, in the probably mid 2000s at that point. And all that to say that uh, my mother, who was in charge of my money and has been very conservative with money, said, yeah, you should do this. And I was like, well, if my mom says I should do this <laughs> and she's in control of the money, then I should do it. And luckily enough, four days later, where I announced, I also announced that I was quitting my blog just because I wanted to find employment. Uh, there was a crazy French man named Alex Dreyfus that was a fan of my voice. And he called me up and he said, uh, I hear you're looking, are you looking for a job? And I said, yes. And out of the blue, I was hired by the GPI. Um, I think it'll be 10 years ago next month, I believe. So it's been a while. That's yeah, the journey. That That's the journey. Can we, can we go back to cards as a kid? Because this is mm -hmm. always something that like interests me. Um, I read that you've played a lot of cribbage and, yes. you know, in high school, you were figuring out cribbage strategies and looking right. at stats. Tell me, Tell me about cards and like why you have this pull that's almost magnetic towards playing cards. The main reason is, is family and it just brings back so many memories. And I wasn't able to go back home during the holidays this year uh, just because I wanted to stay away because of COVID. And I haven't been back uh, in three years, but um, New, Year's, New Year's Day uh, for us is one big moment on my mom's side. And even three years ago, when I went back home, we all started playing cards, you know, it just, and then we were playing with all the kids as well. We were playing past the ace with the kids and, you know, just a rite of passage. Uh, I made a, a big comeback and I made my little cousin cry. And I remember that exact moment where my grandfather, 
humiliating me. <clears throat> Sorry, playing past the A's, but it's a rite of passage, right? And he still talks about that now with me three years later saying, man, I was really, you know, it sucked at the time, but now I understand. And so yeah, it, you, you it mean three is, years from then, not like three years from <laughs> today. Three years later, so today. Yeah. That's right. No, no, I mean my my cousin. My cousin is oh, your talking cousin, about your cousin, guy. Yeah. You know, he really went. He was at that age. I think he was eleven, now fourteen, way more mature and understanding, and is a big hockey player and a really talented hockey player uh, back home. So you know, yeah, it's always about family, and it's about those memories. Some are bad. You know, I would play cribbage with my grandfather. He would destroy me every week, but that one time I would get him. You know, it was a time that was the great moment. And even playing cribbage tournaments, uh, you know, in, in my area, it was always very, very amicable. There was a, a nice sandwich buffet, you know, the open bar. It was never, never aggressive, even if you were you know, trying to destroy the opponent. So there's always that sense of, sure, you're trying to win. You're trying to do anything to humiliate the opponent. But after it's done, you know, it's it's fun. Let's have a, an egg salad sandwich and talk about how your family is doing. So it's it's a lot about family. Yeah, and you know, just for the big tournament festivals and just poker rooms in general, it's people congregating around a shared interest. And probably there's not a lot of people in your like direct inner circle that are like avid cribbage players. And so like right. when you're surrounded by a bunch of them, it's quite exciting and everybody's That's excited true. because you just don't have the opportunity to be in those environments that often, you know? Yeah, that's what's amazing. You're right. It's everyone's at the same time. They all have the same passion. And, you know, of course, I'm not going to kid as well. I'm from French Canada. The other passion is hockey. So you know, it just goes hand in hand. The same thing for uh, applies for, for hockey for us as well. Um, I read that you uh, you were interested in broadcasting coming up too. Um, is that before poker entered, entered your uh, well, airspace app? Yeah, well, I can't, I can't find like the right yeah. word. Um, no, de definitely. Actually, when I got into poker is when I broadcasting didn't really, you know, fit for me uh, at all at that point. Um, I was born uh, wanting to be a, a, a public address announcer at a hockey rink. And I actually got to do that for 10, 12 years for my local uh, junior team. And then they promoted me to, to general manager, then president, which sounds cool, but being a president of a local hockey team where it's the heartbeat of the community, when things go bad and you're not getting paid, it's a pretty rough job. It's a volunteer <laughs> job. It's pretty brutal. Uh, but yeah, Claude Mouton, who was the Montreal Canadiens announcer, Paul Morris, uh, who was the Toronto Maple Leafs announcer, like I would, you know, day after day, I would watch hockey or read, you know, back then there weren't a ton of games on TV. So I'd read the box scores for hockey matches and announce the goals. Uh, and then I got into radio broadcasting in college and just fell out of love with it for a few years. And I, I'm sad about that because, you know, my dream is would, to this day would be to be Dan Lebitard and just be able to just talk sports, talk whatever's happening in a big setting with, or Dan Patrick has the same setting with four or five people. You know, that to me, even though I'm living my dream now, there's another dream where it's still sports talk radio, which didn't exist when I was in college in Canada. We had the, the fan, if, if the wind was right, we could get the fan W fan out of New York, you know, late night, once in a while, if you had the dial, correct. Most of your listeners don't understand this dial problem. <laughs> and, you know, back in the day, I'm only 45, I swear, but I sound sometimes that I'm 70, but uh, you know, I'm part of that generation that was right before the uh, technology boom. So, um, so yeah, it was always the dream of listening to those 
the stations. If those stations would have been around in Canada, I think that's where I would have hopefully ended up in. Uh, but that just wasn't happening for me. And being just a regular disc jockey was not what I was looking for. So I abandoned that, went into the corporate world. And But, but to be fair, I, mean, I think all that experience did help me you know, get into poker and be able to do interviews right from the start and stuff like that. So it did help me quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I mean, I'm 38 now, I think the math checks out. Um, You know, when I was a kid, like you don't get a signal on your radio. Like, what are you going to do? You're you're screwed. You can't, (laughs) there's no like online, you're just drawing dead, right? Like, oh, you know, let's mess with the antenna and like try to like walk around the yard and aim the antennas in the right way and try to pick something up. And beyond that, you know, well, you're, you're hosed, right? Um, so tell me about, you know, you quit your job, you got into the world of poker with, you know, your mom's blessing. And that was, <laughs> what year was that? Boy, maybe 10, nine or 10 years ago in February. So, okay. So 2012. So after Black 2012, Friday, 2013. Yes. After Black Friday, um, I, I see like you were a statistician for Zoke. What was Zoke? It was just the name of the original company, the the, the parent company for GPI and Enema, which gotcha. is now Media Rex. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so yes, that's how uh, I got in. Actually, my first job, and actually, my I still only have one contract with Alex with the GPI, and it states that my role is to do three fantasy poker strategy articles articles a week. So that's technically still my <laughs> official job and title at the company, even though I'm president of the whole thing. But uh, yeah, I what still is have that poker fantasy contract. strategy articles? Uh, we, we used to run, I got hired when the company launched Fantasy Poker Manager on Facebook. And it was a game. It was actually really well received. Um, it was like, uh, if you know about uh, football manager in, in England, so it was like that. You would pick a roster of players for every big event uh, that was happening around the world. We had a a good deal of poker stars back then. So, and WPT. So we had all those events that we would play and actually the WSOP as well. Uh, what we ended up seeing is, and, and we had to move on to bigger and better things, but it was a lot. It was a lot of demand. It was fun at first, but it's almost like, you know, with, if you're doing your football on Sundays, it's once a week. If you're you know doing your hockey, it's not that bad, but demanding thousands of people to put in lineups every day for, a sport or a game like poker that you're not even sure if the players are going to participate or not, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a little, it gets a little tough. So how, if we could have redone it, I wasn't part of that. Uh, I was part of the launch, but not uh, the programming of it. We'd love to rebirth that somehow and do something more fun, but it has to be easy. It has to be set your lineup once a month or do it for specific major events, you know, do maybe two or three times a year, but it can't be, you know, you can't expect poker people to just, oh, damn, I have to set my lineup. Uh, we used to do day two chip counts as well, so you wouldn't know who would be playing, but then that would give you eight hours to put in your lineups. And if it's happening in, in Prague, well, you're sleeping, so you're waking up in the morning, and it's hard to count on someone to set their lineups at 7 a.m. before they have to go to work. So, but yeah, yeah, Fantasy Poker Manager was the, the reason I got to, I was added to the company. Nice. Uh, I, that's cool. I never yeah. actually uh, heard of fantasy the fantasy poker thing um also like player makes day two doesn't play the next tournament (laughs) he's still in that thing oh no yeah it's rough yeah yeah kevin mcphee by the way kevin mcphee was one of the top uh, managers that we had mcphee was a big big player and uh 
one of the best, uh, probably not, not even one of the best uh, pro that was playing a fantasy poker manager by far. He was really good at it. Nice. Um, so from there, from poker fantasy manager, you know, you're now the president of this organization. So you started, started there and there's quite a gap, right? So tell me about that journey and you know, how things kind of naturally snowballed into you having your current position. Yeah, I, I think that Alex saw in me, I was, uh, you know, a manager for 15 years at Ticketmaster, saw, you know, leadership skills and probably just, you know, writing what does articles. What uh, manager at Ticketmaster? Like what were the responsibilities there? I was, uh, at first I was in charge of the, uh, the call center or the contact center, as we call them near the end, in my town of Ottawa. Uh, so I had about 200 uh, people under my, uh, my, my jurisdiction and uh, it, it's all shift work. So it was really like a maze. Uh, part of it was to do a schedule and, you know, the scheduling had to do with, with trends of, or uh, sales. If you know, Bruce Springsteen is on sale on Thursday, well, you're going to make sure that every single you know, person, and maybe that's another thing for the audience to understand. You used to buy tickets by either calling or putting your, you know, getting your ass in line in the freezing cold at an outlet. So mm-hmm. uh, I was there at the, the outlets were starting to be removed. Uh, the first ever internet on sale we did was a Celine Dion concert in Montreal, which of course crashed the whole <laughs> online system. So it Naturally. took a few years for Ticketmaster to become the monster that it is online now. And now it's probably 99, it's probably 99.999% of the sales are all online. So, you know, things changed quite drastically. So in that time at Ticketmaster, the evolution was quite severe. And I think a lot of people that were maybe older, I was in my early to mid twenties back then. So still were very raw and wanted to learn about this technology stuff, whereas others were pushing back on it. And so I think that's where I got an opportunity and, you know, rolled with the punches. Uh, I mentioned that company out of San Jose that did predicting that would predict our, um, our, our scheduling. And eventually I was in charge of scheduling for all of North America. Um, and basically you know, it's not as easy as a click of the button because that would, the trends that the system would tell you were trends from past days. But again, if Bruce Springsteen goes on sale Friday all over North America, well then, you know, you have to adjust your numbers and such. So, but I love doing that. And it would take days to do a schedule that would make sense. Uh, And there was a lot you had to think about. Um, One of the reasons that the call centers in Canada started closing is that just cost-wise, we had a call center in, in far Texas on the Texas-Mexico border. I believe our agents were being paid probably 4 or $5 an hour, whereas in Canada, for a bilingual agent, French and English, I was paying them $15, $16 an hour. So there was that too, right? You're scheduling, but you have to make sure that far Texas gets the most people because you're saving so much money. However, you need to make sure that the French are being taken care of in Canada, uh, you know, the, the Spanish communities in the States. So there was a lot to go around it. So it sounds cool and just a click of a button, but I would often get yelled at of you messed up here. You predicted incorrectly on this day. And they're like, you're right. You know, how could I know that this was going on? So it was a great job. It was a fun job, but it was very stressful, uh, very much underpaid. And I uh, just got an opportunity to go to, um, to do something totally different for the owners of the hockey team that I was uh, uh, managing own an electrical company. And they said, you want to come and be a purchaser. And basically I would purchase uh, large quantities of uh, wiring for the most part. Uh, wiring is just like anything on the stock market. When the price of copper goes up, you need to make sure you're not buying a lot of 
product, but if the price of copper goes down, you're buying a boatload. We're putting warehouses full of, of a uh, you know of wiring because that's the most the most expensive part of uh, of the uh, of the industry. So that was really fun too. But it just it just wasn't what I loved doing. Um, it was a fun job because I would work at six a.m. get to, you know get home at three p.m. I'm an early riser, so it was great for that. And then I'd work on my blog. So you know there was times where I was working maybe twenty hour days and. You know, sort of liking it, but uh, I was starting to get, I wasn't 22 anymore, so starting to get older and just, you know, wanted to make the switch and just do something I was passionate about. Um, it was either going to be poker or hockey, and I chose poker. And it seems like to me, by the way, it, that does not seem like it's a click of the button, thinking about the logistical nightmare and all the variables <laughs> that you're managing in real time. Like, that makes me anxious on the inside, yeah. just thinking about dealing with all of that. Um, but it what I come away from after hearing that story is that you likely enjoy solving problems. Like you, you enjoy looking at different variables, looking at data points and then solving these problems. That's something that like resonates and kind of matters to you. Right. Yeah. As much as I get, you know, tired sometimes uh, we were talking about before our call started about, um, you know, having to go through ballots and all of that, that we're doing right now during the, uh, award season, uh, I'd rather do that than not being doing anything at all. So I like to be busy. And yeah, you're right. I do like to be challenged. Uh, when I'm not challenged, I find that I'm at my worst. So if I can be challenged, it's great. You know, it, it really wakes me up. And I think uh, credit to the whole team. I think we were able to build a team around around us that uh, is the same. You know, uh, I don't have anyone on my team. We're a very small team at GPI and the Hinnomob. Uh No one doesn't like to work because if, if we did have that, that would Put a big problem there'll be a big problem uh, for us so they're all passionate and yeah i think everyone we were sort of you know like the misery sometimes or like like we like the pain uh, once in a while you know putting on an award show and putting on voting uh, is is fun and it's very gratifying in the end but the whole product before the end it's rough you know and you hear from everyone and people aren't happy and once we announce the uh, the nominees in each category People are going to be upset they weren't nominated and they'll take it out on us, even though hundreds of people have voted for those categories. But it's part of the pain, right? It's part of we feel we're doing right towards the poker community, towards the poker world. So we'll we'll take that. But if it was all like easy and you just wouldn't have to look at a ballot and there'd be no controversies, that would be boring, right? That would not be a challenge for me. And I probably wouldn't be as passionate about that project as, as I am. So you're right. Yeah, yeah I think I am just a glutton for punishment, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am as well. Um, I, you know, when I'm doing private coaching or thinking about building out a product or working with my, my coaching for profits group, the wolves, like I will look at a problem, uh, a strategic problem in poker. And like, it just hurts my brain. You know, I'm just like, I don't even know where to start. And it's just like totally overwhelming. Um, and then oftentimes I leave the computer when that happens or go to sleep and wake up. And then when I wake up, it's like my brain is working in the downtime and it gives me ideas on how right. to tackle and solve this problem. And that is very gratifying to like, be like, yeah. Oh, I got it. I, I see, you know, where I can enter and start doing work and figuring out the solution to this problem. And like, I just find that when I don't have problems like that, they kind of hurt me, <laughs> that shut me down. Um, I'm too bored. I'm just 
Exactly. I'm just not uh, stimulated enough. And so like I've come to, you know, as you say, like enjoy the pain of seeing these giant problems that are like totally overwhelming, but then kind of picking away at them like one strand at a time. And eventually when you crack it, man, like that's just a great feeling. Also terrifying because then you got to find a new problem to work on. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> but such is the nature of, I guess, being, right. being wired the way that we are. Um, so you entered poker, you know, you're, you did the, the fantasy stuff. Um, tell me about the transition, you know, to the next phase after that. I can't even it was, a lot of it was, was just natural, a natural fit. Uh, me being put in situations where, you know, again, I would you know, maybe more problem solving, uh, some people leaving the company. So that helped me, you know, get, you know, other positions or other spots in the positions within the company. I think, I guess you'd have to ask uh, my old, my former boss uh, that, but I, I think the first American poker awards uh, that we did uh, in, uh, in Beverly Hills in Los, sorry, West Hollywood in Los Angeles. Um, I think that's where I probably, my boss probably said, all right, I mean, he's, he's ready for, for bigger and better with the company just because it was a good process. We, we did well there. It was a major accomplishment for the company. Uh, you know, people need to realize that it was a European, mostly French company with a guy from Canada who's also French speaking. So, you know, we were the outsiders, but we did, you know, we did everyone. I think we did the poker world proud with our first awards. And I think from then is when, you know, I started getting more and more responsibilities. Again, you know, people leave, people stay, people, I always say in this industry, if you're not passionate about it, it's not going to work out in the end. You're, you, it's not going to work. So, you know, for people like you and me, of course, we're passionate about it. But, you know, when you have an organization, there's some people in the company that don't even know what poker is, right? They're just working. But if you don't have a passion for the work, it just doesn't work in, in this industry. Everyone's going to have to do something that it's not part of what they do on their contracts, for example. It just, it just, you know, it is that, that's the way it is. And I think the smaller the company, that's even more the the, the case. Uh, you know, we recently well, hired Kevin Mathers. I was asked this week, what are, his, what are his responsibilities? And I said, a little of everything, basically. Kev does what we do. And if he's got to enter results, he enters results. If he finds results, he finds results. Uh, Kev was a big, big help with the awards this year. Uh, you know, we had so many meetings. So, yeah, whatever I can get my my people to fit in, they, they're part of that as well. So, yeah, that's that's the the one thing. And I think that... You know, with that, I was into it. I was, you know, very passionate about it. I had a ton of mag you know, managerial experience. And, you know, I think that in situations that Alex knew that he could just leave me and, and my partner at the time, Ophelie, uh, who worked with the company as well, she was with Alex uh, a few years before me. She was with us as well. Um, he knew that when he had something, he could leave stuff with us and it would be fixed. It would be fine. And I think from that point, uh, you know, Alex doesn't have a lot of people is in his inner circle, but I think we both, you know, fit in very well in this, in that inner circle at that point. And I think by then things were changing within the company. Uh, the company was focusing on Bitcoin and on all that good stuff, all the, not, I shouldn't say Bitcoin, on on tokens and all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, I was left uh, alone saying, I don't want to do that stuff. Can I do the poker? And said, yes, uh, how about you just run the thing and um, you know, from then, I, I basically have to force Alex uh, to talk about poker once in a while. He has not, uh, he has no interest in it anymore. He's too busy. So, but I'm going to Malta next week, and we'll, I'm sure, we'll have dinner and we'll talk about great poker stories from the past. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say, you know, 
you actually don't do anything on your job description. Now, <laughs> not one at single all, task that's on correct. your job description. That is correct. Um, <laughs> whose idea was it to run the first Boker Awards? It was Alex. Um, he was, uh, Alex has gr- ideas that are grand. And sometimes like the Global Poker League, it doesn't work out. But, you know, we still put on a, a pretty incredible product and got every single one of the biggest players in the world to sign on and play in our league. Uh, yes, we had a, a cube inside a, a warehouse in the desert in Las Vegas without air conditioning because it would you know, affect the noise. Uh, we did that. You know, we did some, we had some grand ideas. We, we booked some big venues. So that was always part of it. I think it's very much part of European culture and especially French culture. I think, you know, with the, the Cannes Film Festival and a lot of those things, I think that's where the influences comes from. But I also think that, you know, we wanted to put a, a spotlight on the poker world and we understand it's not for everyone. I always say that um, with the awards, you know, if you don't like them yourself, if that's not why you're in poker, if you have no interest in it, that's fine. But never forget that if you're Dan Smith and you win a charitable initiative a few years ago at the American Poker Awards, don't forget that you have friends back home, you have family saying, this is pretty incredible that my grandson you know, just won an award for charitable initiative in his, in his field and, and stuff like that. So it's always like, think of other people, but I do think that those that do participate, you know, love it. Um, you know, we all love competition. Uh, some win, some lose. It's tough when you lose. It's even tougher when you lose and you're there. Uh, we've had instances where people have gone over four at awards, had Doug Polk, Daniel Negranu, Mike Sexton, and Mike was there. You know, that was tough. That was tough to see people that are there. Daniel was there as well during those awards in Beverly Hills, but that's really rough when you see that. But at the same time, you know, that same award ceremony, you know, we, we had great moments, grandiose moments and great moments for poker. And I think that's something we always try. I, I don't want to overpromise, but there's a, a portion of this year's awards that I think people will really appreciate. Uh, it'll involve our poker icon that we will name later on. Uh, it, I think early next month. Um, you can, you can just say it, it, it's me, Eric. Just it, <laughs> That's right. it, it's, it's, it's already over. Yeah. Poker just icon, the, Brad let Wilson. The, let the cat out of the bag. Everything is over. You get all the awards at you. I've, I've got them shipped to your house. You just keep them all. Um, no, but we're, we're, we're trying to create some moments and not trying to force feed moments, but we really do feel that there's a moment in that ceremony that's going to be really touching. And I think we're going to do, hopefully we're going to do well uh, to this person. So, you know, moments like that, I, I can't wait for, but again, I get that the awards aren't for everyone. I think poker is a game where there would be people not caring about that. And that's fine. Uh, But at the same time, you know what? It's the same for the GPI when the player of the year stuff comes up or GPI number one status. A lot of people say they don't care about it, but it's funny how I get DMs and texts saying, hey, how many points do I need to overtake number one here and stuff? So, you know, that's the one thing that I sort of not, not a complaint, but it's something that does is a frustration sometimes that I don't, I can't say what I hear in the background, of course, because that's contra, con, confidential, but it would be good for players to speak up. So when Brent Kenny said, one of my goals was to be GPI number one, that makes me feel good, you know, because I know a lot of players are like that. Uh, you know, Nadia Magnus just won GPI female player of the year, and she is really celebrating this. She's going on a podcast tour and talking to anyone and everyone to shout it out that she's the female POI for the first time since Chrissy Bicknell won in 2017. So four or five years now, you know, I love that. So if you're, if you're not in it, you're, you're not into it, that's fine. But for those that are into it, 
those are the people that I want to celebrate even more. And for someone like Nadia to really have, you know, put out a tweet, I think it was January 2nd of 2021 saying uh, someone got him, got her a candy bar that said GPI female player of the year, 2021. And 12 months later it happens. That's cool. And those are stories that I really think that in poker, we need to put a light on because that's really, to me, that's a neat story. And, you know, we have a little, little thing to do with that. And that makes me feel good on the inside. And maybe that's where where with all the pain, you get those stories and you get a smile on your face saying, Hey, we're doing something good. Yeah. I mean, if people don't like it, then just why, (laughs) why, (laughs) why engage in in any of the process, right? Like just go about (laughs) your life. Right. Right. I I don't understand, but I, I do think that like, you know, like you said, there, there is, there, there ought to be a priority on shining a light on the good stories in this world. I think that's one of the major driving forces of this podcast is talking about folks' journey through the world of poker. Um, and, and it's important. And I, and I do think that like all of these things that are sort of surrounding the actual game of poker itself does grow the market. It gets people more engaged. It brings people into the world, which makes you know poker just a more sustainable game moving forward and into the future. And so all of those things, I, I think there's like no downside, <laughs> you know, yeah. what's the downside? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's actually a good way to say it. Yeah. There's no downside. You're right. Thank you for that. Um, I'll use that one from now on. Yeah. And l- unless like Helmuth doesn't get an award and like burns the place down, I guess. That's, right, that's, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I've never, I, I'm just going to always use that because I just think it was just such a funny thing to say. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to burn this place to the ground. Yeah. Um, I'll admit that it's something that's never crossed my mind to say in my life. <laughs> and this guy's used it all the time now as a catchphrase. Like, <laughs> pretty <Yeah>. impressive. <laughs> oh, Helmuth. <laughs> The decision to enter a hand is fundamental to poker strategy. Too tight, and they know what you have. Too loose, and you're easy to run over. Reflop Bootcamp from Chasing Poker Greatness is a comprehensive guide to locking down your preflop game and creating true range advantage. Eight days of guided training, over 60 optimal ranges, and access to a dedicated community of players that will push your preflop game from a place of weakness to your greatest strength. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. Available now. Before bootcamp, I had been playing for maybe 15 years. Somewhat seriously, always trying to get better, jumping from learning program to different learning programs and training site to training site. Kind of feeling a little bit lost, not really knowing how to go about getting better. And Preflop Bootcamp just felt like a great starting point, a way for me to to move from being a losing player to, to possibly a winning player. It felt like the right first step. Once you jumped in Bootcamp, what was your experience like? Well, first off, I realized that I'd been making a lot of mistakes prior to boot camp, kind of learning what rangers should look like and what hands should be played in what situations. You know, it was it was exciting because I, I could see what other people had been doing to me, what kind of what I had been missing in my game. And then from there, just the whole camaraderie of everybody that's um, signed up, working together, trying to achieve that goal. You know, that, that was fun. That's uh, pushing each other and really helping uh, one another, kind of feeling like you're a part of a team. It was, uh, it was a great experience. I, I enjoyed the process and I learned a lot. What 
was your experience like playing cards post boot camp? It's a totally different experience. You know, it put me in a position to be successful as opposed to always being behind the eight ball and, and playing catch up. Um, I really feel like it's it's the foundation of, of a solid poker game. And uh, since boot camp, I've been able to, to turn a profit and keep building on what I learned there. You know, being able to go back into the group and uh, re really work together even after boot camp was over, it's it's been awesome. What's your sample size of winning post boot camp? I think I have 70,000 hands played by now. You know, I'm a father and I have a job, so I'm not a, a professional player by any means. That's my sample size. Preflop Bootcamp is the flagship Chasing Poker Greatness training program. If you'd like to dramatically upgrade your preflop game, a new bootcamp launches on the last Saturday of every single month, and your link to join is chasingpokergreatness.com slash bootcamp. One more time, that's chasingpokergreatness.com slash bootcamp, all one word, or you can click through in the description box of this episode. Yeah, so basically just because of your problem-solving ability, because of the trust that um, Alex had in you to be responsible and solve these problems and take care of stuff, you just kind of naturally climbed um, the ladder of the company, right, to where you're at right now. Yeah, I think, you know, when I started in this business, I was just doing a little podcast, and my, my boss at that point, the one that directed my podcast, Zach, told me, if you're if you work hard in this business you're gonna make it uh you know because it is quote unquote that easy hard work is what you know is the number one thing that you need to have in this business and i think we see in a lot of talented people in our business the first probably the best quality is that they work hard and i think that's where uh overall uh, people saw in me within the companies i just work hard and put my head down and do the work so yeah i, I think that uh you know funny enough i, I told that to someone that uh we hired a few years ago. You know, if you work hard, you're going to stay in this in this business quite a long time. We need hard workers, and you know, we'll gladly take you in. So, that's, most industries do. You know, right. just work hard. Like it's it's incredible just how like how much you can stand out just by virtue of like working hard, being passionate about what you're doing, um, and then gaining fulfillment from what you're working towards. Yep. You know, I, I think all of those things kind of matter. That you really care about the product that you're producing or whatever it is. What's the, what's the most unexpected thing that's come from your journey through the world of poker? Good question. You, you know what? I was going to say, because I mentioned uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick Burrell at the start of this interview, uh, he was one of my idols. So when I got to not only meet him, but he played in our uh, GPI World Cup that we did uh, to, to actually befriend him. And now that I, if I see him at the Rio, he says, hi, Eric. That's insane, you know. That'd be for my mom. That'd be Celine Dion, right? If if Celine would know would know who I am, that would be big. But for me, it was Patrick. But actually, the biggest, I mean, the most important reason that that poker or the biggest thing poker has done for me is without poker, I would never have met my my wife. You know, it's just weird and incredible that uh, it was a summer where uh, Alex and I had decided that I would make the move to Vegas. He wanted me to move to Malta and I didn't have any interest in moving so far away from my family uh, back home. And he said, well, let's do Vegas then. I said, okay, we'll think about it. And by the end of the summer, 
of the World Series that year, which was five years ago, I guess, at this point, uh, I said, okay, well, we'll start, you know, the ball rolling on me, you know, moving to Vegas. And literally weeks later, I met my wife, uh, who became my wife months after that. So, yeah, without that, I wouldn't, without poker, I would, A, I would not have a love affair with Las Vegas, or I got fulfilled. I had a love affair with Las Vegas, but it got fulfilled because of that. I get to live here now, uh, but I wouldn't, I met my wife and wouldn't have inherited my, you know, my beautiful stepchildren. So that's, that's pretty amazing. I, I tell Alex that a lot. It's funny the way you, you ask the question, uh, but I tell that to Alex a lot that it's weird how life works, that I wouldn't be married to a beautiful woman originally from Colorado who moved to Vegas eight, nine years ago. And that's pretty awesome that that happened because of my job. You know, I'll, I'll always be thankful to Alex and to, to my wife, Casey, for saying yes, of course. Yeah, you, uh, yeah, it's hard to really imagine, you know, when you sign on to this, this poker thing that like you're going to meet the person who you end up marrying through the gig. Um, and, you know, the same is true for me as well. I, I met my wife in the world of poker. And actually, when I, when I really sit back and think about my life, my adult life in totality, most everything that I'm surrounded by, most of my best relationships, most of everything in my space is because purely of poker, right? Just because that's the path that I went down. And yeah, it, it really is when, when you like, when I sit down and think about it, it's like, wow, like everything in my entire existence is from poker, which is, that's a pretty cool thing, you know, and not something that I really expected either. But I guess, you know, when you're 19 year old dreaming to be a professional poker player you probably don't have many expectations of anything right. <laughs> well, one more one more thing for me too is travel uh i had never been outside of north america and i mean north north america canada or the u.s mm-hmm. in my life my first ever trip outside north america i uh, was to malta and now i can say that i probably spent years of my life in europe at this point wow. uh but you know spending time in, in cities like prague prague one of the most beautiful cities in the world and reconnecting with with the French language in France, I was able to spend time in France at one point, And I spent time from the North to the South of France, visiting friends. You know, I have a lot of friends in France now that I, there's no way that it, that would have happened without poker. And, you know, I, you know, that it humbles me a lot to be able to say, you know, my, my parents, if it weren't for my job, my parents would have never been to Las Vegas. That was the longest trip they ever took is to Las Vegas to see me get married. You know, all of that stuff is incredible, but yeah, my passion for travel now, I want to go everywhere on the world. I would, I'd love to live everywhere in the world. And, you know, my next, my, in my head, the next stops are in Asia for sure. And uh, I'm not sure exactly where, but I know there's a big poker boom happening in South, uh, South Korea. We have some partners over there. So I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll have to hit South Korea once this uh, pandemic is over. But yeah, I mean, just that, the, the small town kid went from, you know, by age 35 and never been anywhere you know, for me, Syracuse was a big trip, you know, from driving to Syracuse was a big trip, uh, ended up being in a remote island in Malta and falling in love with, with the people in Europe. And yeah, I guess spending time in France was, for me, very humbling, uh, back to my roots. And it, it just showed me where I was from. And I really liked where I was from. <laughs> you know, there's wine and cheese, my friend, everywhere around the, <laughs> and bread, of course. So it's the greatest country in the world. <laughs> that's great, man. That That's awesome. Um yeah, and I, I am familiar of the boom in Asia of poker, mm. which is quite intense. It is a massive, massive 
boom over the last few years in the popularity of poker on that side of the world. Um, and if people don't really have awareness of it right now, I believe that in a few years they will have a lot of awareness of that. I agree. Um, you mentioned, you know, working hard and having a small team, uh, if there's somebody in the audience that's listening right now that maybe want, like wants to enter the industry of poker, right? And they think they're a hard worker. There's this is passionate. Uh, one of their one of the things they're passionate about in life. What would you suggest? I'd suggest. Um, you mean to, to start? Yeah, just to start to to get a foothold. I'd suggest either starting something on your own, or at least start writing on your own, or, or do something. Do something that prepares you for, for something. I, I think there's always live reporters or it's always something that's available, but also do it yourself. Uh, one of the things I did, I had my own blog and I went to tournaments. I made myself, hey, I need a media pass. I need to cover this. Uh, one thing that I did was the original uh, big one for one drop. There was a big qualifier uh, in Gatineau, Quebec, uh, about 30 minutes where I'm from at the Lac Lemy Casino. And all the big names in, in Canadian poker were there. The $25,000 buy-in and the winner would get uh, a ticket to the big one for one drop, the original one, a million dollar ticket, you know, and I just decided I'm part of this. I'm, I'm going to force my way into this. And the casino was so excited about it because no one else had asked for media cover passes. So I was the only one there. So they were feeding me the players and all that. So don't be afraid. Uh, and that's funny for me to say, cause I'm the most, I'm the shyest. If I don't know who you are, I'm very shy. Uh, but I get unshy really quickly once I get to know you, is what I always say. So it's 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 hard. It's hard to expose yourself. It's hard to ask for people. I remember sending emails to everyone in the industry. Hey, I'd love to either write some articles for you or do some live reporting. And it was no, yeah, no, we don't we don't have the need for it. So just grind, continue doing it. If people keep on saying no, start your own stuff and. You know, we see in poker, there's a lot of self, I mean, most people are all self-made in this industry because the industry didn't exist 30 years ago. So, you know, almost everyone is self-made in the industry. So grind, be ready to work and keep your day job at first. And yeah, it's going to suck. You're probably going to have to say no to some fun times with friends because you want to cover the EPT in Prague from your home and make sure that you get the first scoop, you know, when the winner is made, even though seven people are reading your blog, that's fine. People are going to find you. And that's true. That happened to me. Uh, Jeff Walsh, who's now at uh, Pocket Fives, he found me. And without Jeff, I would not probably not be in this industry. Uh, you know, but he found me saying, hey, I've got a, uh, you know, a podcast you want to be on. And just talk about results from around the world. And I said, of course. Uh, so there's always, you know, there's always opportunities. And as I say, if you work hard in this industry, you're going to get in. And if you continue working hard, you're going to be successful in it. Uh, just you know, probably at first, especially don't expect money, but don't even expect any money. You know, I've, I was burned many times at first, but I would do it for the experience. So if, if it fitted, if it fit my budget and I knew there was a case where I might not be paid, I'm being told I'm paid, but you know, do it. And you know, you get that experience, you get your name out, your stuff gets, just gets published. Just do it. If you can afford it, do it. Uh, you know, but Lord knows I couldn't really afford it, but I still did it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're, really, really wanting to be in this business, get ready to work though. That's the thing. If you're wanting, if you think it's a nine to five job, it's not, it's not going to work that way. There's times where you're going to have some time off, but other times you might have to work 22 hours in a day. And that's just the way it is. So it's not, it's not, a, 
even though it looks glamorous, it is not glamorous. Uh, I always hear stories from live reporters that cover covered events in Monaco. It's like, yeah, Monaco's great, but it's not like I'm out here enjoying, you know, the 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 beautiful uh, coat or you know the the sea right in front of me. You know, it doesn't work that way. I'm working my butt off. McDonald's is the only thing I can afford, and it's thirty dollars for a Big Mac or thirty euro for a Big Mac. So. It looks glamorous and don't get me wrong. It's taken me to beautiful places. And I'm sure all those live reporters, I'm thinking of the old school guys, Remco, Rinkamas, uh, Rich Ryans. I'm sure they were dirt poor when they went to Monaco, but they wouldn't change it for the world because they were still in Monaco and not many people in the world can say that, but it might cost you, you know? So get ready to grind and don't think it's, don't think it's a fun job that, you know, any job in poker, don't think it's fun and you can just lollygag your way around. You're going to have to work. And you're probably not going to like the pay for a while. <laughs> yes, that sounds very appealing, Eric. Yes. Uh, you're going to be inundated with applications after That's this right. <laughs> uh, this podcast. Yeah, you're going to work really hard, and you're probably not going to get paid anything. So we'd love to have you. Um, but another part of you know what you said there, the risk of reaching out to people and just asking questions. You know, it, it's an yeah. asymmetrical risk where the downside is none really there like people say no so what you know like that's not the end of the world somebody saying no um and really we just have to kind of you just have to kind of get through that you have to understand that like no matter what it is that you do i mean you guys keep track of the best player of the year you run um award shows you keep track of like how much money people win in poker tournaments like you aggregate all that information and you share it with the world and people complain about what you're doing to you consistently i'm sure and like it, <laughs> yes. like you know i don't i'm not exactly sure what the complaints are but i could imagine they're just being hundreds or thousands of people kind of just whining about one thing or another and i mean that's the reality right like that's yeah. people you, you can't please everybody some people will be upset so really you just ha like you said you got to work hard and you've got to kind of be resilient and have thicker skin. And if people say no, or somebody says something bad about an article you write or your reporting or your blog or whatever it is, you just got to keep forging ahead, um, and doing the work. And, you know, I, I may be, it may be survivor bias, but like it did work out for me. It worked out for you. And yeah, I, I guess at least in, in my case, I, I'm help. I'm willing to help somebody that reaches out, uh, ask a few questions. Like I'm willing to give feedback, you know? Um, happy to do that because again, I think our our industry does need passionate folks who are willing to work hard that just mm -hmm. can't do anything but help the poker world in general. And, and I'm the same, my Brad. My DMs are open. Might take me a few days, no more than you used to, but I will reach out or reach back to you. But also, don't forget when you say about the nose. Don't forget that if Poker News is posting for a live reporter, there's not twenty five thousand people applying for that job. So let's say there's 11, they take one and they say no to the 10. Don't forget that the person running that job job post, you know, there's 10 people they have to remember about. So they might know, might say, oh, I said no to this Brad Wilson. Then you pop up later on and say, oh, Brad Wilson, yeah, he, he had a good interview with us. Maybe we'll use him for this. So, it, it, you know, there's not thousands of people wanting to be in poker. So if, if, it, if there's a no, there's a chance that that person might still remember your name later on. Whereas if it's, a government, a government job of 11,000 people apply for one job, they'll never know who you are. So, you know, just try to make your name that way. I'm not saying 
that the person in charge of poker news, you should say, you know, send them an email every week saying, I want to work for you. I want to work for you. Cause yeah. that'll probably Andy, be a permanent Andy Dufresne no. it, you know, that's right. Get that's it. right. That'll be a no forever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, don't never forget that. Sure. There might be no's, but, uh, everyone that I know in this industry, um, you know, we're, we were all where you were, we're all, we're all from live, a lot of us are all from live reporting or, you know, starting to play low stakes or every one of us is there. So it's not like we were all, you know, born with the silver spoon in our mouths. We all understand where you were trying to get in. And yeah, don't for, don't ever forget that like for me, uh, when we hired Anthony Charter, he had left poker, but Anthony had put such a good impression on me that when we finally were able to secure some money and hire someone, he's actually one of the first people I thought of. And I remember being in a car from Prague to Rajvadov with uh, Roland Boothby. And I said, I know exactly who we need to hire. And, you know, we took him out from the restaurant world and he came back to, to poker. And, you know, it's stuff like that where people make a good impression. There's a good chance that people will rem remember you uh, further down the line. Absolutely. And the good impression part is key. And I do want to state that as it relates to like outreach and asking questions, I, I do have like a few bones to pick. I, I think, first of all, like, like be respectful is one part right. of it. Be respectful in your ask and your questions. And um, also don't ask questions that you can Google just as a little, little, little pro tip. Um, Wait, that Kev, Kev Math would not have a job if that were the case, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess of the stuff that goes to him. Yeah, maybe it's just me that gets yeah, super I, like super I, annoyed when it's like I, I get a questionnaire in, as an email, and like ninety percent of them are just like Googleable, and I'm right. like, man, like I'm not I'm not your personal Google here. Um, right. Do do a little bit of due diligence um, when asking these questions, and just be honest and authentic, and be yourself, and yeah, like don't don't be annoying, of course, because like being annoying does not really move the needle people yeah. you're trying to work with these folks. And if you annoy them, then that's probably not going to do you much good. Um, so anyway, yeah, I just wanted to, wanted to state that like, again, I, I think that just in general too, with outreach to like, you're asking somebody for their time, you're asking somebody for their energy and, and yeah, be, be respectful of that and also be cognizant that that is what you're asking for. Right. right. Even if like, you know, it doesn't cost money to send an email, but it costs time and time is more valuable than money. Um, all right. So yeah, moving forward now, everybody had started writing an email to me and now they've stopped writing that email. <laughs> They're sending it to me instead. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you went on Brad Wilson's podcast. That's, right, that's, that's right. terrible. How could you do such a thing? Um, I'll never work for you. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, let's, let's ask some lightning round questions here. Sure. Uh, so if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about the poker world, what thing would you change? Tough. Can I be like pie in the sky? Yeah. What? I mean, it's a, it's a magic wand, man. You, you can do I'd whatever like, you want. I'd like for everyone to get along and just everyone's different, you know, and in this industry, everyone's different. We all come from different backgrounds. Um, you know, we tend to, in poker, we tend to slam ourselves as an industry a lot, right? Uh, if there's a scandal, oh boy, we are just, you know, we're terrible people. And yet, watching ESPN right now, they're all talking about Antonio Brown just losing his mind, you know, on the sideline and how the coach might have known stuff about his injury and it's not been reported and it's, it's in every industry. So we're not 
different, uh, but it's just the piling and the piling, but also even on Twitter, you see a lot of this stuff right now, which is all vax, anti-vax, and this is the proof I have, this is the proof, proof I have. You know, I don't, I'm not the one to say stick to sports, not at all. Uh, I'm glad that LeBron didn't stick to sports. You know, he's, I think he's done a ton of good for the, for the world, but I think in poker, sometimes it's like, can we just talk about the fact that BPT is coming back in March? Can we talk about that? That's cool. That's fun. So once in a while, just let's all realize that we're all different. We all have different opinions. The beauty of this industry is that we all have opinions. Every single player is strong-willed and has a ton of opinions, male, female, whatever. Um, but maybe in the end, it's just, I'd like us for us to celebrate ourselves more. I know that as an industry, we're not the best towards women, but I think we're much better than other industries are. And I think the fact that this industry accepts everyone, there might be comments at a table, but everyone is accepted. You know, before the gay and lesbian movement was happening in sports, we were there. Like we couldn't care less. If you're sitting at a poker table, race, creed, religion, anything, it doesn't matter. You're playing poker. And I think that's the most beautiful part of poker is that sure, maybe you're a racist, maybe you hate them. But it doesn't matter. Once you sit down at the poker table, they might take your money if you're too concentrated on the fact that you hate them. So there's the beauty of that. Um, so not trying to make it political, but I wish that we got along more. I wish that um, you know everyone would praise what we do a bit more. Uh, the good things get praised more than the negative. I get the negative. It has to be called out when stuff is wrong. But there is also a lot of good in poker. And as I mentioned, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, whatever, when you're sitting down at a poker table, or if you're sitting down, you're in the World Series of Poker main event final table, doesn't matter who you are, you know, you're in it, you're playing. And that's actually one of the, it's sort of a, a poetic beauty of poker, is that once everyone sits down, it doesn't matter where you're from, everyone's playing. And I do like that fact. And I do think that we need to celebrate that a bit more. And again, not saying that there aren't shit things happening and we have to call them out i agree with that but at the same time boy we're an industry where you know i was hearing about uh, the montreal canadians you know wanting to hire more women for their teams and i'm like about time that more women are going to be in in professional sports you know the dodgers are doing it the marlins are doing it about time that we have more women but in poker there's a lot of women that have been for a while for a while in positions of power in this in this world and that needs to be celebrated yeah. so again not saying that there's not some bad stuff and then I'll be the first one to talk about that and call it out. But here I'm waving the wand. I think we should celebrate ourselves a bit more because I think we all deserve it. And I think we all do better as an industry that we think we do. Yeah. And I mean, it, we're human beings, right? And <laughs> we're just humans are biased and geared to pick up on the negative or the thing that they disagree with or whatever scandal, you know, like, if it bleeds, it reads, right? right? Like, and so that that incentivizes sources to highlight the blood without highlighting, you know, the positivity and the good things that happen as an industry. And but, like you said, you know, it's kind of a shame, but it does happen in most all industries. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and in some cases, it's like you know, at some point, like for poker players, we do a really Sometimes we can do a poor job in playing the game of life where like, yeah, you don't really convince someone of a different opinion 
that they have by like calling them names and right, like, trying right. to make fun of their family. Like that, that right. that's never like one an argument where the other person's like, Oh, you're right. My family is stupid. And so now I'm just going to change my opinion to whatever it is. Right. Like it, right. that's, that's yeah. not really how, um, things work and just, yeah. I mean, at some point you just got to agree to disagree, right? Like we yep. have different beliefs and now we're just going to move on. And like, that doesn't mean that we have to hate each other and that we have right. to like snipe each other whenever one, something happens to, to the other person. It's just like, yeah, we believe in different things and like, let's just move on in life. You know, yep. um, if you could uh, put up a billboard, every poker player has got to drive past on their way to the casino. What does Eric Danis's billboard say? Tune into the Global Poker Awards February 18th on PokerGo. <laughs> we love our relationship with PokerGo. Uh, no, you know, it's funny. I think that it sort of comes back to what I said the last one, which wasn't lightning fast at all, but maybe something like be kind to each other, you know, be, be, be better to each other. I remember Mike Leah had the be kind hashtag a few years ago. And I really like that, you know, just be kind to each other. It's, it's fine. We're all family. We won't get along, but it's getting a bit too nasty. Uh, you know, it's funny. We hear a lot of people saying, they wouldn't say that to my face at a poker table. And it's like, but it's coming back to the same thing. Yeah. But I think it's because when you sit down, it's game on, right? We're playing poker. It doesn't matter what everything else is happening. So I think again, waving the magic wand, I'd love to for people to be more kind to each other. It might be my, my Canadian thing, but yeah. Hashtag be kind, you know, be, love poker, be kind. There you go. It's a great aspiration, like yeah. just one way or the other. And yeah, I think that, in general, human beings ought to be kind to one another. And I understand poker is a competition. Um, you know, your blood pressure rises, you can get angry, you can get right. frustrated, all of these emotions, but still be respectful of the human beings who are also sharing in this game that means a lot to everybody. Um, and I, it's I okay for, it's okay to have an explosion. It's okay to have, you know, I do that with my friends, my friends from the day I was born, we'll have an argument and that's fine. But you know, once it's done, it's done. It doesn't linger on. And I think maybe that's what I'm trying to get at it. It seems to be lingering on for us in poker. It's like, sure, you have an argument. You don't agree with each other. Move on. Like, like you said, you're not going to change anyone's mind. Just move on and, and just stop. I, I agree that if it just blows up one-on-one, -on -one, fine. Words are going to be said. That's okay. We're all adults here. But for it to continue, that's what, that's what bugs me the most about what the current state of poker is but it's also the current state of the world sadly so yeah i mean heat of the moment you know yeah. my my daughter beat me in Candyland the other day and i threatened to burn down the house <laughs> How dare she? Know, just <laughs> okay that's the last one no more that's burning right, that's down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't really happen cpg audience before that's you right, like right. uh report me to some sort of uh dhs um <laughs> What's a project that you're currently working on that's near and dear to your heart? Well, I, I guess I'm heavily entrenched in the in award season right now. That's true. Um, yeah. So that would be it. Um, you know what? I'll give you another one. Um, sort of a scoop, but it's not like it's going to make headline news. But we're really working at developing uh, two new websites for both the GPI and the Hendo Mob, um, and the goal for both is to highlight what both sites can do right now. We're more of a general interest. Uh, it's, you know, we have results and the GPI is rankings. Uh, we want to go over and beyond with that. I uh, really provide some cool st stats that don't exist that we have, that we have in the back office that we can use. 
uh, just provide a different way of looking at people. My goal with both sites is to to do a bit of a YouTube wormhole where you start, you go to your own, Brad Wilson goes to his page and he goes, oh, that's interesting. Let me click on this. Oh, wow. wow. I didn't realize Vanessa Selps, every time she cashes in a tournament, she's like 40% to win the tournament. So stuff like that. So we're working on both sites. Um, I, I mentioned uh, in a few interviews already that one of the reasons that Kevin Mathers is with us is that the Hennemob especially is known for results. We want to be known for schedules and results. We want us to be a one-stop shop. Um, so that's a big project. And it's it's massive because, as you would probably know with, with your websites, designing a website sounds great and everything is on paper. It is hard to translate to, uh, you know, it, it is hard to make it happen. So, uh, you know, time, money, effort, everything. We have so much other things uh, going on. But we're hoping... My goal is by WSOP time. I don't think that's going to happen. So hopefully by probably the start of next year, we'll have two new websites uh, where people will really want to go on, not just to look at their own you know, page to make sure that their latest result is there, but to actually spend time on it. And, um, you know, we have so many pieces of history as well that we want to highlight those, uh, those pieces of history. Uh, you know, we have results since 1970, I believe, uh, in our database that needs to be celebrated too. So really a ton of more stats, more stats to our, towards our partners as well. You know, we really appreciate our, especially our long-term or legacy partners. Uh, we're going to work with them to get them what they want as well. So uh, that's the, the big passion project coming up next uh, is definitely our websites, which we, uh, we announced uh, to our team, or I announced to our team uh, last month when we were all in Malta. So look for new websites. I'd love to say that they'd be ready in two months. I would, that would be the timeline I would like. Uh, but it doesn't work that way. So hopefully by the end of the year, and if it's before then, I'll be really excited. Yeah. Nothing ever moves as fast as, as you want it to in this lifetime, especially when it comes to like tech and website building out and all of that stuff. It can be quite an ordeal. And I assume with as much content and moving pieces <laughs> as you have at Hinded Mob um, and the GPI, that's gonna that's quite the project. It's um, also it's also hard to translate what's in your brain to paper. So you can tell a graphic designer, this is what I want as much as you can. But if you don't translate it well, right, it's in my brain. I know exactly what it should look like. I think Hans on the team knows exactly where, where he wants it to look like. But it's hard to translate that. It's Even if it's in the brain, you can picture it. It's hard to then put that to paper or to tell a graphic designer, this is what I want. Because they're like, that doesn't make any sense what you want. You're like, no, in my brain, it's perfect. It's beautiful. Yeah. And graphic designers love saying like, you know, giving them a general idea of, of, you know, what you're looking for and then spending a lot of time building it out and showing it to you. And you're like, no, that's terrible. It's not anything right. near what I wanted. Um, right. they, they love that. Um, it's right. one, one of their favorite parts of the gig. It's um, true. You have to get them some kind of model to work from. Um, and then, iron out the the fine details. Um, I do, I did notice how you're infusing, you know, your love of stats into the new websites and how that's mm -hmm. going to be a major part of it. So I'm sure you're, you're pumped about, about that aspect of the gig. Um, and yeah, you know, with that said, tell me, tell me about the award season. Tell me when the awards are going down, all the details that you, you can provide right now before we head off separate ways. I just, I just uh, heard that Brad Wilson has submitted his ballot, so thank you, sir. I did. We appreciate I that. I submitted them. I expect my opinion to be ranked higher than everybody else's <laughs> opinion. 
Um, yeah, we use a formula for that, right? <laughs> wait, except in the podcast quarter category where I can't right, vote right, on right. myself. Don't, don't, don't value that opinion more than everybody else. <laughs> no, it's, it's the busy season. The awards being so early this year, they're usually end of February, early March, but this year they're February 18th. And that's due to commitments that Poker Go has in their studio. They're trying to rent that, you know, that baby out or use that baby as much as they can. Uh, it created a weird effect where, we had all of our research for player of the year, uh, which includes 56 national players of the year this year. Um, all of that research, which funny enough, you would think that's easy to do. You just plug in data, but you have to confirm and you know get all that data done and make sure it's fine. And you can't do it ahead of time because if there's more tournaments coming in, you literally have to wait until the shutoff time. So it's been a long Wednesday, a long Thursday. So it's just a, a terrible, the timing is terrible this year, but we're doing it, you know, my, my my, my boy Hansi hasn't had much sleep either, and we're just plowing through it. So really busy, uh, happy that player of the year is done, all over with. Everyone's happy with who won, and the players are excited for winning. And then, yeah, we're just plowing, uh, plowing on with the awards. Uh, voting this week, or as we're recording this, is the first round, the preliminary round of voting. Next week is the real enchilada, the final round of voting. And I believe a week after that, so in the next few weeks, we'll be announcing... Um, the final four nominees uh, for every single uh, category, and then we'll be off. We'll be just a few weeks away from uh, the Global Poker Awards, and we'll be, um, I guess we'll be four weeks away at that point. And then uh, we'll be heading to Las Vegas. Hopefully, the whole world will be heading to Las Vegas. We'll have to see who's able to come and not. It's a little complicated. We're happy to say that our last Global Poker Awards um, you know, went off without a hitch, and literally three days after the awards, COVID was really a thing suddenly in America and everything was shutting down. So we were able to get, get that in. And it's just weird, Brad, thinking about everyone was kissing and hugging and shaking hands that day, not thinking, thinking this thing is in Europe, it's over there, it's in China, and suddenly it's, it's, it's here. Uh, just scary for us that we wanted to make sure that everyone that attended uh, was safe and they all were. So we were lucky, but it just the um, matter of 72 hours the world could have changed and, and you know for all of us in the poker world a lot of a lot of talented people were in that room so it's just weird so hoping to have some sort of ceremony or i mean we'll have a ceremony but still not sure still not clear exactly who gets to attend how many people can attend and how to make sure that everyone is safe that's attending uh hopefully um we'll get a, a downward spike in these numbers uh before then but um until then we just yeah we just plow forward it's it's award season. It's very exciting, but it's also very nerve wracking, stressing, and the energy levels are low, but we're, we're grinding through it. <laughs> grinding through, you know, you, you probably want to avoid the headline of GPI responsible for killing half the legends of poker. Correct. Um, yeah. <laughs> probably not a good headline for y'all. Yeah, la last time we would have had Helmuth, Negronu, Johnny Chan. Uh, yeah, it would have been, it would have been rough on, uh, in Doyle. The headlines, uh, Doyle, that's right. <laughs> not Doyle. Don't take Doyle. He wasn't there, so he was safe. <laughs> yeah, don't don't take the oil. Um, right. Cool, man. Uh, so, you know, I, actually, I, I'll ask you this one question too. Um, if you could gift every poker player a book to read, what book would you would you gift them? God, you know what? I forget the name. I was just gifted. The, um, uh, actually, Lance Bradley suggested it. A former guest of yours, uh, the Netflix CEO. He's got a great book. Uh, Lance was talking about, because we're talking about management styles and how uh, mine is seems to be very uh, new wave 
And this book actually, you know, challenges me to be even more new wave, but I think it's great. I've already started reading it, but it's great. It doesn't matter if you're a manager or not. It's to manage your own life. Uh, I don't remember the name, but it is for the Netflix CEO. Is it Reed Hastings? Yes, Reed Hastings, exactly. Um, so just a great book. The other one that I've loved that I've read a few times in the last few years is Time, Fast and Slow. Again, I forget the author. I'm sorry. But that is a fantastic book, again, for everyone. It doesn't matter what you do in life. Uh, just a great book that way. Um, and then, hey, if you want to have some fun, the Wayne Gretzky biography from the 90s, that's a great book. <laughs> just it, it is good for, for work. It did inspire me for work. I read that book because Wayne explains that um, when they had lost the Stanley Cup to the New York Islanders in the late 80s, um, they walked by the winning team's dressing room or locker room after the match, and they were all on the floor, out of energy, you know, just out. Everything was done. And they realized then that to be a champion, it's not about celebration. It's about breaking down after you've, you know, done all that hard work and winning it. And uh, sure, you see all those beautiful pictures on ESPN with the champagne and stuff, but don't kid yourself. A few hours later, those guys are on the floor, you know, just with the, uh, the energy, the adrenaline finally coming out of your body. So a life lesson for him. And I think he did well for himself after, after that moment. And uh, it's a good life lesson for everyone uh, grinding it out in the world. Yeah. Leave it all on the ice. You know, if, if your opponents who won are on the floor after the victory and you're standing up, they probably gave more than you gave um, in in the game. Right. Exactly. We spent the whole podcast. You did a really good job. And then at the end you went full Canadian there with the, there you go. I know you're a big thrashers fan, of course. You couldn't couldn't (laughs) hold it in. Um, It just had to come out. Couldn't do it. (laughs) Uh, Oh, the Atlanta thrashers. Are they still a thing? Like that's they're they're the Winnipeg jets now. Oh, are they? Are they? Yeah. They moved to Winnipeg. Yeah. I think I've probably watched like three hockey games in my entire life. And one of them was on like Fox when they had that like tracking puck. The puck. Yeah. The glowing yeah, puck. The glowing yeah. puck. You can imagine as Canadians, we were quite insulted by people telling us they couldn't see the puck on the ice. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, final question. Um, if the Chasing Poker Greatness audience wants to learn more about you and the projects that you're working on, where can they go in the World Wide Web? I think the easiest way is on Twitter at Eric Dennis Poker. Um, just reach out to me. My DM, DMs are open if you have any questions. And then same thing with any member of our team. Everyone's you know out to help. So if you DM them, if you send them an email, send us an email. We'll answer uh, every single one of them. And uh, yeah, if you have any questions or thoughts, you know we're always looking for feedback. So anything you have, just reach out to me. And I'll again give me a little time. It might not be within the hour at this point of the time with the, with the schedule, but I'll make sure to get back to everyone because uh, you know, I always appreciate uh, people reaching out. Thanks, man. It's been great having you on. Look forward to doing it again in the in the near future. Um, best of luck with the awards and all the logistics. I'm sure you got a lot of work in front of you. And yeah, we'll speak soon. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.